Our gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They neither grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Thus far the reading of God's word. These are the words of the Lord. Amen. Pray with me, please. Father, we have, uh, we have come today at your call, and we have opened your word. We pray that you would give us open hearts and minds, uh, that you would transform us by your spirit, that you would impress uh, the truth of your word onto our hearts, that we would live it in um, obedience and worship to you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, and I want to begin by saying thank you to Pastor Sexton and uh, all of you here at Christ the King for having my wife Rachel and I in this weekend. Um, it's just been such a warm welcome and, and a wonderful time here. Thank you all so much for having us. Um, in, in the weekend that we've, been have, that we've had here, I've, I've been asked a, a number of questions, and there's one that I keep getting asked that I want to ask all of you also, how did you sleep? <laughs> my, my family actually habitually asks this question every morning, even though we're not traveling, we're not staying anywhere. When, we, when you see someone in the morning, you ask, how, you, how did you sleep? And, and you ask that question because it's really just another way of saying, how are you doing? Because the way that you sleep says a lot about your inner state. Um, when the disciples were on the boat with Jesus in the storm, Jesus was on the cushion sleeping. Or Psalm 127 says, 
Um, why do you rise up early and go to bed late, eating the bread of anxious toil? For the Lord gives to his beloved sleep. Or if I could put the question another way, what keeps you up at night? What is it that is running through your mind when you should be sleeping or you should be enjoying dinner with your family or you should be working, you should be going about your day? What is it that is crowding into your mind? What are you anxious about? What troubles you? And what will you be able to do about it? In our gospel lesson, the Lord Jesus encourages us to look from the Father's providential care over creation to His providential care over us. It is, it's actually, in fact, one of the most striking things about this passage and about the entire section, um, chapters 5-7, through seven, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is giving His teaching, is how much He refers to God as our Father. And that's an interesting thing because just previously in chapter 3, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and God identified with Him as His Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus goes through this temptation in the wilderness. He begins to call disciples and He goes up onto the mountain. He calls the disciples to Himself. And as He begins teaching them, He doesn't say, because my Father is like this, uh, you should live this way. Because my Father is kind, we should model ourselves on that. No, he says, um, your Father in heaven. It's a striking thing about the entire segment of the Sermon on the Mount. He references God as our Father in um, chapter 5, verses 44 and 45, 6, 1, 6, 4, 6, 6, 6, 8, 6, 9, 6, 14 and 15, and 6, 18. One of the driving things that Jesus wants to get as he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, is that God is your Father. Everything about this section is about living in light of that knowledge. Who am I and who is God? And Jesus wants to contrast uh, the life of the, the outward, the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites who sound the trumpet before they give. Um, when, you, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing because God is your Father. So as we think about um, worldly cares, anxiety, what are those things that are pressing on us? The end of all anxiety and all of our worry is to know deep in your bones that He who knows all things and works all things is your Father. We're just going to walk through Jesus' teaching here in, in chapter 6, in verses 24 and 25. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body what you will wear. Is not the life more than food? and the body more than clothing. Again, like the rest of the, his teachings um, in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord is pressing to matters of the heart, and he's pressing to matters of worship. We cannot worship God our Father and mammon or, or wealth. Mammon worship um, eventually, ultimately breaks down 
and becomes materialistic. If you're putting your hope in only those things that you can see and touch and handle, life will become simply about what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear. It's about getting more to keep life going. But those who serve God our Father, we know that life is more than food or more than clothing. As Jesus says in verse 25, is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing? We don't, we don't spend our lives in order to get food to keep going. That's having it exactly backwards. We're, what we, we eat our food in order to have energy for our life to serve God and others. Um, getting that exactly back, backwards, mammon worship, thinking only about the, what can be seen and touched, um, is, is, is like believing that God gave us bodies so that clothes would have a good place to go. It, right? That, that's not the point. God didn't give you a body so that he would have, you know, armed-shaped places to put the shirts. But we have clothing in order to do work. And in fact, um, very often you have specific clothing to do work. Uh, construction workers look a certain way. They have a certain uniform. Attorneys look a certain way. Pastors look a certain way. But God gives us clothing. He gives us our material goods. And in fact, even our possessions and bodies um, in order that we may serve him. Did you notice that in verse 24? No one can serve two masters. So instead of our possessions and bodies, um, they're not our treasures that we are to protect and hoard, but they are tools for serving God and for serving people who are made in his image. And this is why this teaching always comes back to the matter of the heart or the matter of worship. Because if your heart is set on everything that you can see and handle and touch, you will have a life riddled with anxiety. Because if you throw yourself into the service of mammon, you're throwing yourself into the service of a God that constantly runs out. You get your paycheck, you spend your paycheck, and then the next month you need another paycheck to, to keep going. If that's your God, that God will constantly run out. And it's because the true God, um, God our Father, designed it to be that way. You'll remember in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's so many examples of, of that which is in perpetual motion that um, continually runs out. The rivers run to the sea and the sea is never filled. Um, in, in our house, it's probably like most of your houses, as soon as the dishes are done, someone will drop one in the sink. And um, Rachel and I always look at each other and go, that's an Ecclesiastes moment. You know, as soon as the laundry is done, Someone's going to dump something in the hamper. And God has designed the world to be that way. The, the mammon, our wealth, our possessions, our bodies even, are not, are not designed to be eternal. They're not designed to be the point of our life. They're, they're designed to be tools in the service of our Father. In verse 26, Jesus continues and he says, Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. 
And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not so much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So this is the principle that he's been setting up. God is our Father. The true Christian life is lived in reference to him. And then he begins to give us examples of why we should not be anxious. He invites us to look at God's providential care for creation and not just big things. He doesn't reference that um, God created galaxies and holds Jupiter together. He says, look at small things, common things like birds and grass, and reason from that to his care for us who are his children and made in his image. In verse 26. Your heavenly Father feeds them. And when Jesus says that the birds neither sow nor reap, or the parallel passage in in Luke says they don't gather into barns, he's not saying that sowing and reaping and working aren't of any use. Um, That we need to simply sit and let God's blessings fall into our laps at home. But what he is pointing out that um, to look at the birds, here are creatures who God has not given the ability to sow or reap or gather or work or plow, and he still feeds them. He makes what the, the, the things that they are able to do, which are little more than hopping out of the nest, flying somewhere and looking around for bugs or berries or other things, and he's able to make that effective for them. And here we are, God's children made in his image, men and women with incredible capacities for work, don't you think that he can make that effective for you? Don't you think that he can make your abilities that he has given you to work effective and fruitful and productive? So if we, if we take the Lord Jesus' command to consider the birds, I want you to stop and think about what it took for God to be able to feed one bird, one time, one day. As I was... Uh, preparing for this weekend, I, w- I was walking in a park near a house, and there was a, um, a holly bush uh, filled with robins, and they were all—they were actually fighting, but they were all going. They were all being fed with the berries that grew on the holly bush, and it occurred to me: for God to feed the robins there, He needed to plan for that specific robin to be come from a line of birds to be hatched at a particular time. And many, many years before the bird even existed, uh, a, a certain seed had to sprout in a certain place and grow and have the right weather patterns to reach a certain height and get to a certain maturity for the berries to um, be in season right at that point and for the bird to be close enough and for his eye to catch the holly bush and find the berry and eat. That's what God needed to do to feed that one bird one time one day. God needed to plan eternity to feed one bird one time one day. And that God is your Father. Do you think He has a plan for you? Do you think He knows your situation? Does He care about us? He does. We should take life and providing for the things of this life just like we take growing 
Look at verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add a cubit to his stature? How do we grow? We need to grow, but we eat, we sleep, we wake up, and our cells replenish. And when you're a kid, you hit growth spurts, and kids are probably one of, one of us among us that, that really do worry about growing. If you get those questions, when am I going to get bigger? When am I going to get taller? But ima- imagine if your son or your daughter was at the dinner table, hunched over the plate, and arranging the food with a concerned expression on his or her face. You said, well, what, what are you doing? Well, I need to make sure that all of the vitamins and the minerals get in the exact right order so that I grow the most and so that the amino acids, you know, I don't, really smart kids, you know, are in the right place at the right time. And we, and we don't do that. God hasn't designed it that way. Instead, he's designed for us to eat and enjoy uh, one another's company. And we grow. Um, even as adults, uh, we replenish and, and God keeps our bodies going. When you work at whatever your vocation, whatever your calling is before God, that work is a gift. And when you get rest from that work, that rest is a gift. And when God makes that work productive, that productivity is a gift. And we should just receive it like the hours that go by or the inches that add to our height. God designed the world to be this way in, um, in the first chapters of Genesis. God speaks the world into existence and he puts our first parents in the garden and he, he commands them to work. And the, the environment that he's given them is just incredible. Um, there's fruit trees, there's gardens. It's a kind of place, we still live in the kind of world where you can take dead plant parts and throw it on the ground and come back in a few months and then food has sprouted out of the ground. God has designed our world, our, our work to be productive, wildly productive. Even struggling under the curse, the world that we live in, and our, our capacities um, are wildly productive. And the promise isn't simply that God sustains things and so that he'll get you by. Jesus says, look at the grass. Look at the grass. The stuff that we chop up and feed the cows, God decorates it. They neither, The grass... Um, is arrayed in more glory than Solomon. It's here today. Tomorrow, it's thrown into the oven. We chop it up. We feed it to cattle. We use it to to burn things. And God cares about the grass to glorify it, to give it flowers, to give it beauty. And we are his children. And so all of... The Lord's teaching as we consider creation, we consider his providential care for the small things and the large things, it begins to, to bleed away our anxiety, to bleed away our worry. But then the questions do come, well, that's, that's true, Bobby, that's great, but what about when it doesn't seem like I have everything that I need? What if I'm going through a trial? What if there's significant adversity? Is this, is this promise true? Is 
Is this always the case? I love the uh, question and answer um, for Lord's Day 9, question 26 in the Heidelberg Catechism asks what, what you believe when you say that I believe in God the Father, Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. You see that there again, God is our Father. Part of the answer says this, I believe He will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul. And further, that whatever evil He sends me in this veil of tears, He will turn to my good. For He is able to do it, being Almighty God, and willing to do it, being a faithful Father. So God, the Father who provides and loves and cares for you, is also the one who sends adversity in your life. We always don't know why for every trial or every adversity we face, and those are the kinds of things that can tend to crowd out um, the joy of the Lord in your mind. But 1 Peter 1.7 tells us that God refines our faith like gold through trial. So your faith, faith and your holiness and your spiritual good is a muscle it needs to get worked out. And God will put adversity and trials in your life to grow you stronger. He's like a good coach who, as soon as you get done running a lap, he says, that was good, that was a good time. Now do it again. Every level of, of trial and um, hardship, God is able to turn for our good because he is our faithful father. And so this brings up the, um, as we think about providing for the necessary things of life and, and worry and our attitude our, and our heart, it brings up a particular application for fathers here, for those of us that are fathers here, in that we are looking to God our Father and how He provides, how He cares, how He plans, how He provides and even sends us adversity for our good. As fathers, we're to image Him in some dim way, and we're to plan and provide and see ahead for our families and for our children and give them the things that they need necessarily. As we image God our Father, um, but, but dads are, are the kinds of people who um, make their kids do hard things. Sometimes you need to make your kids do hard things that are good for them. Just like God, our Father, He provides for us, He cares for us, um, and he, he sends us difficulties so that we could grow. We need to exercise our wisdom and foresight on behalf of our families and other people, and this does mean providing material goods, um, but it's a giving of the self. When God gave us Jesus Christ, when He provided us Jesus Christ, He was giving us Himself. In Christ. And this was the whole point of Jesus identifying with us in baptism and begin to teaching us of God our Father is that God is giving us Himself and He's giving us Himself in Christ. And so as we look to Jesus, we have faith in Jesus and we are placed in Him and we are united with Him, God is our Father and we are able to image Him in some dim way. Jesus continues in 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? 
What shall we drink or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. And this is where Jesus brings it to the point. He's not saying again that we do nothing and God's blessings simply fall on our laps. Proverbs um, 6 tells us to look at the ant and, and model after his diligence. We are to work hard, but toiling away with fear of the future is not the same thing as toiling in God-glorifying labor. So it, be, it, becomes back to, it comes back to the heart. Where is your focus? Look at verse 33. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So as we work, as we labor in our vocations, raising kids, um, yes, we still have to get up and fix the car or close the deal or write the code or work the farm, but as we do it, we have God's kingdom in mind. We, we don't write uh, a proposal so that we can get the paycheck and just make it and then, you know, write the next proposal to get the next paycheck and just make it. We're, we're building things for God's glory and for the help of people made in his image. We're raising kids not because it's a chore, but because they're made in God's image and eternal souls. We're writing code because we want to build things that glorify God and help other people. We do all of this when we keep our focus on God our Father. As we live the true Christian life in reference to Him, as we look to Him through Jesus Christ, we do all of these things in order to build His kingdom and live a righteous life. And as we learn to live all of our lives in reference to our Father, in light of what He's done for us in Christ, we will live free of worry and build His kingdom here. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in your kindness you have given us all things that we need for life and godliness. And we thank you most of all that you've given us Jesus Christ who came and died and rose. And we are in him and you are our Father. Lord, I pray that this word would be sealed on our hearts and minds and that you would bless it. In Jesus' name, amen.